You're listening to the Play Big Brand Bold Podcast, Episode 6. Welcome to the Play Big Brand Bold Podcast, business and branding advice to help you play a bigger game in your business and brand bold to stand out in the crowd. Each week, I'll be sharing interviews with business and creative professionals, as well as insights and strategies to help you do more of the things you want to do in your business, get confident, clear, and capable to build your business brand and bottom line. Hey, hey, so welcome back. I'm your host, Suzanne Chadwick founder of the Connection Exchange and I am so excited to share this podcast episode with you. Today I am talking with Jess Rufus from Collabrasaurus.com. If you haven't heard about Collabrasaurus then it's time for you to get in the know. Collabrasaurus is an online platform for brands to come together for collaboration, marketing, partnerships and Jess is going to tell you all about it today. We are talking about her journey of building Collabrasaurus, knowing your numbers in business, how collaboration marketing works and how you can use it to grow your business, no matter whether you are a big or a small business, what you need to think about when you're heading into a collaboration agreement, understanding your customer's behavior and some pretty awesome tools that she shares with us along the way. What were some of her mindset blocks? Getting out from behind the screen, because I know that a lot of us deal with that, and really talking about the fact that opportunity is always attached to people. So how to just give it a go and see what happens. Enjoy. Jess Rufus, welcome. Hello. It is so good to have you on the podcast today. Oh, we've known each other for a couple of years now. We have. Because you spoke at Epic quite some time ago for me, all about collaboration marketing. Feels like yesterday. I know, I know. So today what I really wanted to do was get a little bit more about your story and how you've gotten to where you are because I love following your journey and everything that you've done around building your business. And it is quite a beast now, really, isn't it? It is becoming a beast. I think it's like a teenage beast at the moment and I just can see it's going to be a bit of a nightmare in its 20s, but, you know, <laughs> not, nothing I can't handle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And today we're also going to be talking about collaboration marketing because I feel like it is a term that's banded around it and is. obviously you've built an entire business <laughs> successfully on it, but I don't think a lot of people still really understand how they can use it and what it means, and I guess the different ways that it can potentially be used in different businesses as well. Absolutely. Yeah, so we're going to dive into that today as well. So let's start off with what I always like to start with all my guests, (laughs) because the podcast is called Play Big Brand Bold, is what does playing big mean to you? Oh, look, playing big, I think that whole idea has changed a lot. Like if you were to ask me that three years ago, I have a very different answer to what I have now. You know, I think it used to just be world domination, but I think playing big is really about 
um, you know, the personal, the personal goals and things that you have and breaking that down into steps that you can actually achieve over time. Yeah. So at the moment I can see, you know, the big vision of playing big for Collabosaurus is to, you know, become more of a global company and allow um, brands of all sizes to tap into international markets yeah. very easily. And that's, you know, the playing big that I see happening in the next three years for me. But I mean, I know that that, the whole idea is going to change just yeah. like, you know, personalities change and goals change and businesses change and iterate. So at the moment that's playing big, but yeah. I think you've got to be real with yourself and also just, you know, follow your gut. Yes. If things change, that's okay. Yeah. You know, and follow your gut to play big in different ways. Yeah. And I absolutely think that when you start out in business anyway, you do have this kind of vision or idea, but the minute, but that's before you've started. That's before you've actually gotten in and experienced what's going to happen, yes. you tested the market, all of those sorts of things. So I think that evolution has to happen. And so your idea of playing big will always change. I think that's totally fine. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so from the time you started, which was around three years ago, Yes. what do you think has changed since then in regards to like when you started, what did you think it was going to be? And is it is that where it's going or has it significantly changed? Um, I suppose in essence it's the same. Yeah. However, you know, when I came up with the idea with Clubosaurus, that was probably about four years ago or so and I was 21, 22 years old when I registered the domain name and, you know, it was all this fabulous I'm going to be the next Facebook overnight type <laughs> idea. And I was, Is that not what we're all... Well, yeah, this is what we're talking about now. Collabosaurus, guys, if you haven't checked it out, we're pretty much like Facebook. Um, but, yeah, look, I thought it was going to be this big beast very quickly yeah. um, and we would see success very quickly because tech you know you can build tech overnight and tech is really mm. easy to scale and all that kind of thing but you know I went into running a business quite naive mm. as to what exactly running a business involved and I think I've learned a hell of a lot over the last three years um, and now that's kind of you know the idea of success has solidified I suppose and changed and I think I, I'm more grateful for yeah. the elements of success I see. I mean, I know that, you know, where we are right now, I'm so, so grateful for. We've got a community of over 30,000 people. We've got users in the UK and Canada and the US, and that's just absolutely amazing. And I won the Antill 30 under 30. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> Which was so exciting. Yeah. But I mean, you know, what isn't shown to the world? Yeah. I mean, that's always, you know, the stuff we market and stuff we put out on social media and the stuff that goes out into the press. But, you know, what goes on behind the scenes are a hell of a lot of, you know, nights of in tears, things yeah. aren't going right and tech issues and, you know, it's a long way to achieve, you know, the success that this world domination success. You yeah. Know? I feel like we've achieved a lot, a large part of the success I set out to achieve. Yeah. But, you know, when you look at, um, Revenue, for example, we've got good revenue when I compare to other tech startups in the space. Yeah. However, you know, I barely pay myself salary. Yeah. So it's one of those things where that was not the success I envisioned when I started. I thought I'd be a billionaire by now, <laughs> you know, but now I can appreciate, you know, yeah. every dollar we make and yeah. all of that. And obviously we were just having lunch and we were just talking about the fact that I'm in the same place as you in regards to wanting to really look at that revenue and those numbers 
on a more regular basis to really understand where is it coming from, what's working, what's not working. And I do think that that is a lesson that you do learn when you oh, yeah. get into business is that we kind of just start and we kind of fly by the seat of our pants. Totally. And I think... Say yes to everything and yes. spend money on things you probably shouldn't spend oh, money so on. Oh, so much. Yeah. So much. And then you do get to a point where you do need to sort of consolidate, which was my word for this year as well. Uh-huh. Uh, and you do kind of need to sit there and ask yourself some of the harder questions or just the more informed questions like, you know, yeah. How much are we making? How much am I paying myself? Where mm-hmm. is the money going? What are we reinvesting in? Mm-hmm. What's our profit margin? All those sorts yeah. of things. It's funny because, I mean, I'm so not a financial Me person, either. you know. I'm just like, yes, money, but that's about it. You know, that's, that's pretty much where it is. And I can, I can keep to a budget really well. Like I've always been a really good saver. If I want something, I can save for it, no problem. But, you know, when it comes to a business and money in and money coming in and money going out. That's a whole other different, you know, it's not your savings account. It's a business account. Um, And a couple of, two things really changed my perspective. And the first one was getting zero, which sounds so little. And I was so, I'm such a penny pincher that I didn't want to spend $50 a month on accounting software. I was about to say, so that's zero, the accounting software. Yes, X-E-R-O. And I really didn't want to do it. And for the first Oh, probably 18 months, two years in business, I was running the business off an Excel spreadsheet that took me hours. Every time um, Bass was due, mm. it took me hours to try and find ABNs and GST registrations and all that kind of stuff. It took forever. And a friend of mine was like, you have to get into zero, bite the bullet and just get accounting software or get a bookkeeper, you yeah. know, and I didn't want to fork out for it. But when I did do that, Something um, happened, triggered because I had to be accountable to my own, the, well, the business's money, you know, you have to reconcile invoices yeah. and it's gamified, so it's yeah. easy for someone like me. Um, but the other thing that Zero has is this, um, it's, is it a bar column is what you call it, bar yeah. chart, that basically says um, money in, money out yes. each month. And because I'm a visual person, yes. that is all I need to see to go, okay, we're on the right track or, oh, no, we are not on no. the right track. What am I spending money on that no. I shouldn't be? So that was really big. And then the other thing that really changed my perspective was actually happened by accident. We were going into a capital raise. And so, of course, we need to know numbers like mm. the back of the hand. So um, getting to know these two things, the lifetime value rate mm-hmm. and the user acquisition cost, for, cause we're a SaaS company, we're a software company. Those two kinds of, those two metrics are so important because then we know how much it costs us to get a new customer through the doors and how much we make out of that customer on average. Yeah. And so once we knew that, we could actually put to work strategies to retain customers yeah. longer, make their experience better, but also make our marketing a little bit more cost effective so that we could reduce down the amount it costs to get a new customer through the door. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just by having the right systems in place, you're able to have a lot lot more transparency around uh, those numbers and being able to make those informed decisions. Because even whether you're a big company, you know, I mean, you definitely have like the volume when it comes to your customers, Mm -hmm. or even if you're a smaller business, just knowing the value of a customer um, and customers, you obviously want to have customers that are 
repurchasing or continuing yeah. to buy what you've got. Because as they say, it costs you know it costs a lot more to get a new customer than it is to yeah. service a customer. I think it's only like five. It costs five times more to acquire a new customer mm, than it yeah. does to retain an old one. So, yeah. but then also you know if you give your customers a great experience, they're likely to talk about you as well. So there's a huge marketing you know ripple effect with yeah. that as well. But yeah, the lifetime value and user acquisition cost were absolutely instrumental for us yeah. um, because I think about things by way of marketing strategy. Yes. So having a number to go, okay, you need to fix this, made me think about it in a marketing sense, and then I was able to bring those numbers down or push it up. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Now, we were talking about something that you've been doing that's a little bit different as well, which is around customer care and loyalty and yeah. engagement. Lots of things. Yeah, lots and <laughs> lots of different things. But I guess was there a, a point where you kind of decided – this is something we need to invest more time in. Has it been something that you've sort of done since you started your business or has there been a bit of a shift now where you're like, okay, I've recognised there's an issue here or there's an opportunity? Mm -hmm. What can we do? Oh, look, I think it has changed since we started. When I started and launched the business, I came from a background in PR and marketing, so I really understood the um, ins and outs of partnerships and um, collaboration marketing. And so I just started talking about collaboration marketing and like, you know, it's a no brainer to get onto this site, but so many people just didn't, didn't know what it was and how it applied to them. So we had to change the strategy then to be, you know, um, an educational piece about what collaboration marketing is, how valuable it is, and then how you can do it as well. But then the challenges we ran into there was that, you know, collaboration marketing, we break it down into events and social media and products. And then inside those, there's fashion, beauty, lifestyle, food and beverage, venues, B2B, software, all kinds of different industry yeah. spaces that can benefit from Collabasaurus or, or collaboration marketing in general. But communicating to, uh, I don't know, a freelancer graphic designer and how they could use Collabasaurus is completely different to how you communicate to a Champagne brand, for example. So we've had to go back and tweak our marketing strategy so it's much more personalized and specific to the brand, the industry sectors. The other thing we've looked at doing is we've done handwritten cards through Thankly, which I love. And so we've got a collaboration there ourselves with Thankly. Um, and our new, uh, it should be a surprise. So I hope there's no new <laughs> subscribers on Collabasaurus listening to this. You should always already be on Collabasaurus. <laughs> but, um, yeah, thankfully cards are handwritten. I think they're just such a beautiful gift that's personalized. I mean, I don't know any other software tech company mm. that gives a personalized handwritten card. Um, the other thing that we do now and we came up with this because we broke down problems based on how users use the website. So we used a software called Hotjar, yes. which is, have you used it? I've just implemented it. Like okay. I'm talking like last week. So that was fascinating. Hotjar is basically a little bit of code you put in the back of your website and it gives you a heat map yes. of where people look, where people click, where people scroll to. And that's fascinating in itself. But what Hotjar also does is it records user sessions, like it records the mm. screen, which was such an incredible insight into how people were using Collabasaurus and where they got stuck. Because I sat there for hours and watched, I don't know, a hundred new users of yeah. Collabasaurus attempt to use the website 
and abandon it or leave at places I would never have thought that that's where, you know, someone might get stuck. So that influenced our, you know, questioning over, okay, why are they moving away at that point? Is it because they don't understand the concept? Is it because the wording's not right? All that kind of stuff. Mm. The value isn't there. And so then we started using a thing called Bonjoro, which is personalized video messaging. So every time a new free user of Collabasaur signs up, um, I get a notification to my phone and I record a quick message that's like, Hi, Suzanne. Welcome to Collabasaurus. Please let us know if you've got any questions about this, this, this. I see you're a beauty brand. Have you considered partnering with a fashion brand, for example? And then you can make it quite personalized um, without going too deep, um, but make that human connection. I think that was the difference for us. Amazing. Yeah. And I think that when it comes to, you know, creating that trust, really quickly to get a personalized message kind of within a day or so of me joining a new site I think is incredible it would be a total wow factor yeah well I actually so I was the whole reason we found out about Bonjour is because I received one oh. we signed up to convert kit which was a new CRM we wanted to play around with it um, and within a couple of days of us signing up the CEO or the the chief marketing officer sent me a personalized Bonjour that was like, hey, Jess, just noticed you signed up. Just want to let you know that we're on Team Collabosaurus and if there's anything that we can do to help, please let us know. And I was like, I'm sold. I'm buying this. This is so amazing. <laughs> like it only takes two seconds, but it just shows that there's humans behind the brand, yes. which is so important. But also it creates that instant trust factor so that I know I can reach out if I need yeah. something, um, which I love. Amazing. Yeah. And so when you started your business through to now, is there any mindset, blocks, issues, things that you didn't realize might have been an issue for you that kind of reared its ugly head or came up during the build of the business? Lots of things. <laughs> um, I'm trying to pinpoint one particular one. You know, I think the naivety sort of factor played into it quite well at the beginning it actually worked to my advantage because I was you know this fearless 23 year old um starting this tech company who had no idea you know and just kind of got stuff done and made it work um which but I, we love oh well, of course yes um but I didn't sort of recognize at the time that being young and female and in a tech space mm -hmm. was actually, um, it was very interesting and I found it quite hard to network at the beginning. I think now there's a lot of particularly female um, networking groups. I mean, you've got yeah. the Connection Exchange, which is amazing, um, and there's just a lot around now, but I feel like then, or at least I didn't know about them, I was going along to these tech networking nights and I would literally be the only female in the room um, and the only non-developer. Like I had no idea <laughs> what this tech stuff was about. Yeah. I was there for the marketing. Um, and a whole lot of people in the room were there for the free pizza and it was just bizarre. It was such a weird <laughs> experience. And by the end of the night, you know, you'd been stuck with two or three people because, again, I was really bad at, at getting out of conversations yes. <laughs> I didn't want to be in. So I was, I'd been like in these conversations with these, you know, developers at NASA who were really into what they were doing and space science and everything, which was fascinating, but didn't help me, you know, progress. It was totally outside of my field. 
they weren't interested in what I did at all. And it was just a really weird experience for me. So I think at the start being so young, it was a good thing that the self-doubt thing hadn't crept up on me yet. I think now it's, I mean, I have to consciously address the self-doubt thing. I think it's something that everyone goes through every now and again, um, particularly with hormones. Um, but yeah, look at the start, I was very much like onwards and upwards and get stuff done and, you know, no barrier is a barrier enough for me. And then I got to about, about 18 months into the business and my, um, the family member that had invested in the business basically said no more funding for you and we're cutting this off and this isn't working. And I think you should go back to a job in marketing. So at that point, that's when instantly all of this self doubt stuff started playing in and it became harder and harder to um, push forward the way that I used to because I had to then overcome yeah. that stuff. So, I mean, I, now I've completely forgotten your question, <laughs> but it was, you know, what, what was it? It was something about like so what it's more came of the mindset. Yeah. yeah. So how you, what were the mindset issues and how have you overcome them? Yeah. Well, I mean, now the self-doubt side of things, I think that's a constant battle, but I think now I can recognize it a lot quicker than I used to. And I think um, getting out from behind the screen is the thing that fixes it for me. I'm a bit of an extrovert, so I get energy from being around other people. So I have to go, you know, and network and I have to go and meet up for coffee or take a workshop or something so that I'm out there and talking to people and I can, you know, refuel that way. Yeah. And I think that when we get out from behind the screen anyway, it's a real opportunity to learn from others. Also access other people's networks. Because I really think that even though I might know you online, it's not until I actually sit down and I meet you and I chat with you and I connect with you and I find out more about you on a personal level that the next time I'm at a different event or I'm meeting with other people, I'm like, hey, have you, you should get in touch with Jess. Like, and I think it's only through those relationships. And not to say, like, I mean, I've made some amazing connections online. But I have to say that it's through the personal connections where the majority of my opportunities have come from. Totally. Opportunity is attached to people. That's a hundred percent true. And I mean, that's why collaboration marketing is so powerful, not only just from the stats and the digital side of things, but also from the ripple effect that, um, collaboration marketing has in that you're making networking connections yeah. and building relationships along the way. So let's take a step back or head yeah. down that path that you were just talking about. For somebody who doesn't really understand what collaboration marketing is, what's the simplest way to explain it? I usually use a lot of examples. So like GoPro and Red Bull when they teamed up or Spotify and Uber when they teamed up or even Samantha Wills and Yellow Glen. I love that example. Collaboration marketing is essentially when two brands come together, do something really cool, and then in the process they're able to tap into each other's audiences. And is this paid connections and collaborations like how does that work because i think that's what people don't understand it's yeah. like am i paying for this collab am i is it like you know mutually beneficial like how yeah. does that work so i think we get confused a lot with influencer marketing yes. which a lot of the time is paid you know you pay for placement on instagram with an influencer for example collaboration is collaboration marketing is different because it's value for value So basically how you go into collaboration marketing is you identify a marketing goal you want to achieve. Let's say that's to grow your email list. 
Um, and then a platform like Collabasaurus will partner you up with a complementary, like-minded brand who can help you grow your email list and perhaps they're looking for Instagram exposure. So then you can help each other. You can tap into each other's audiences in a way that help you both grow um, sort of together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if you look at the Samantha Wheels Yellow Glen um, example, Samantha Wills, that she does the jewellery and has this huge social media community. Yellow Glen have the manufacturing side and the product side um, and they're, you know, stockists all over the country. So they came together and created a limited edition, um, Peacock Lane was the name of it, Sparkling Wine, and they ran a couple of events around it as well. But the offshooting effects of that is that Yellow Glen were able to tap into this amazing Instagram community and brand alignment with Samantha Wills. And Samantha Wills was able to then be, get, you know, showcased in every mm. wine and spirit store like around Australia, which was absolutely huge. So. And I feel like, did that happen last racing carnival? I think it was a couple of years ago, okay. but they might have done another one. Yeah, cause I think, I think that that was the other thing is that, Obviously, both of them have got these amazing brands, but then they kind of highlighted it during Spring Racing Carnival here in Australia, which goes off and is kind of a bit crazy here in Melbourne. So I just remember seeing that everywhere. Whenever it was, Mm -hmm. I do remember seeing it everywhere at the time. Yeah. No, they're absolutely amazing, and it depends. I mean, it all comes down to leverage. You Mm. can have the coolest collaboration in the world that something's really cool going on, but if you're not leveraging it and talking about it in as many ways as you can, you know, that's really where the the value is, I suppose, for any brand looking to do collaboration marketing. It's how you can leverage it with your collaborator so that both of your networks and communities are really aware of what you're doing and you can maximise its potential. You're essentially doubling your reach. Yeah. So a lot of my audience are service-based businesses and so once again, a lot of times we might get stuck and go, well, what do I have or what can I offer? So for a service-based business, what are some tips around how they can collaborate better? Yeah, look, I think collaboration marketing makes so much sense when you talk about it from a product perspective because it's tangible, you can see it, you know, it's obvious that two brands have come together to create that and promote that. But, I mean, being a service-based business, there's absolutely no reason why you can't collaborate. I mean, Collabasaurus is a service-based business and we collaborate left, right and centre. Um, I would say look at things like collaborating on an online product, so ebooks, podcasts, online courses, um, resources, or even blog writing and blog exchanges are a great place to start collaborating without too much investment in terms of time or effort. Um, the other thing you could look at doing are, you know, you could still do things like social media competitions. I've run some before where, you know, you give away a consulting package. Um, or VA hours, I've seen VAs do it as well really well, and you can collaborate with other B2B service-based businesses to tap into each other's markets and basically get very valuable exposure. You could also look at doing things like events. You know, um, If you're bringing your um, consulting or service-based business offline and running an event, you can save so much on costs by collaborating on catering, collaborating on a venue space, um, or partnering up to co-promote the event and put bums on seats. Um, And then on the other side as well, if you did want to get into the product space, as a service-based business, you can partner up with a product business and create something really cool and co-branded and maybe limited edition together as well. Amazing. And so out of that, 
comes once again just the exposure to each other's audiences Mm -hmm. is there anything else that might come out of that well i mean like you were saying opportunity is attached to people so of course the offshooting effects are you're growing your network at the same time with like-minded complementary businesses which are going to lead to often ongoing collaborations that allow you to tap into each other's communities um, but again, I mean, what it could lead to really depends on the goal inside the collaboration. If you wanted to grow your email list, it can definitely help you do that. If you wanted to put bums on seats at an event, you could do that. If you wanted to introduce a new revenue stream, you could partner up on a webinar or an ebook that's a paid thing and you can split the um, revenue that comes from that. There's all sorts of things. Amazing. It really depends on the goal, I think. What are some of the things that if I wanted to go into a collaboration, I should be thinking about as far as the quality of the person that I'm looking to partner with, uh, just agreements or mm-hmm. trust? Like mm-hmm. what are some of the things I need to be thinking about? Um, there's quite a few things. Yes. <laughs> Collabosaurus, we built that so that it cuts that down by about 80% of the stuff is taken care of. So, you know, um, you've got to consider things like shared target markets. Your audiences should be similar so that when you do do something together, you're actually tapping into an audience of people that you want to get in front of. Um, the other thing is that aesthetics and value should definitely be um, aligned. You don't want to be too different from each other because then you'll confuse each other's audiences from an aesthetic standpoint. Um, You also want to be really strong on what you want to achieve. I think that's a big thing. Um, People go into collaborations for collaboration's sake and then walk away deflated and disappointed and they're not sure why. Um, And it's often because they haven't really nailed down exactly what they want to achieve and communicated that to their collaborator. So I'll bring this back to influencer marketing for a second Mm -hmm. because this is a really good example. I had a private client in the fitness space and they paid an influencer to do um, a blog post, an email blast out and a social media post basically about their product. Um, And this influencer came back with a whole lot of numbers, you know, oh, we'll get you in front of our email list of 50,000 people and our social media of 100,000 and we'll do a blog post which get... 30,000 hits per month or something like that. And so they paid a, the client paid a hell of a lot of money to get this placement and they saw something like two $30 sales as a result of it. Wow. And they were really disappointed. And they, they called me up and they were like, um, just to let you know, we've just done an influencer marketing campaign. We never want to do that again. And I was like, oh, why? You know, what happened? And she said, oh, well, we paid all this money and got no sales out of it. And I said, okay. Did you tell the influencer that sales was the goal of this campaign? And it, no, they didn't. But also, I was like, did you get any stats to back up their stats? And they said no. So what I would say with that is to be really clear on what you want to achieve and communicate that to your collaborators so that you can both work together to achieve that goal. Yeah. I think if that influencer had known um, that sales was the goal, they would have approached a different strategy but also to charge that much money, just like a consulting company, yeah. just like anywhere, you know, you have to back up the claims you're making. Take, Ask for a screenshot of their Google Analytics. Yeah. Ask for their open rate in their emails. You know, they might have a list of 50,000 people, but if 300 people are the only, you know, people that open their emails, then that's not very effective either. So, yeah, go in knowing what you want to achieve and really get specific on that. Know whether it's Instagram growth or 
filling an event, for example, or, I don't know, launching a successful online course, being very specific on that means that you'll be able to track and work together with your collaborator so that you both can together. And so knowing, I guess, knowing what you want to get out of it as well is like super important because I think a lot of times it's like trying something new. It's like maybe I haven't done collaborations before and so might give it a go. So I think knowing what you actually want to achieve is one of the main things and obviously being able to understand what metrics you're looking for, what questions to ask, how to go into an agreement in the right way, which is what Collabo Hub helps people do as well. Absolutely, as well as be very confident in what you have to offer, I think, which is something a lot of small businesses struggle with. But Collabosaurus is essentially a matchmaker for brands. It works kind of like a dating site. And then now we have the Collabo Hub, which is almost like a resource hub that's attached to the business plan subscription. And that has everything from legal agreement and contract templates. We partnered with Law Squared for those. Um, fortnightly strategy calls with me to really get the leverage stuff down pat. But we also have email scripts for asking for a better deal or pitching a big collaboration idea. Maybe you have someone very specific in mind you want to reach out to. Um, and there's also things like, you know, uh, courses on how to identify, create, and communicate value, which is awesome. Um, so, yeah, it really comes down to supporting everything that goes on inside the collaboration is what's inside the Collabor Hub. Awesome, and we'll have some details on that as well. So what is on the cards for Collaborosaurus over the next 12 months? Well, domination. Um, <laughs> Needless to say. Obviously. I mean, now nah. uh, we've got lots happening actually. For the last three years, we've been, you know, gathering this incredible community of people um, in Australia, UK, Canada, and the US actually, completely by accident in those overseas markets. But um, this new year, we're actually launching a new version of Collabosaurus, which pretty much allows us to exist alongside Facebook ads and Google AdWords. And we basically are doing this because we've done a whole lot of research into the cost of marketing online. And on average, through Collabosaurus, we're about 30 times cheaper than other digital advertising. So when you look at things like Facebook ads, influencer marketing, Google AdWords and banner advertising, Small businesses in particular, in particular, are throwing money into these things and not really sure what they're getting out of it or they're not seeing the results. So collaboration marketing is an alternative or a marketing strategy that you should 100% include alongside your other advertising and marketing activities. Um, so our new platform has things like, you know, the dollar value of a match or your combined reach um, and we'll have a hell of a lot more to do with overseas markets too. Amazing. Yeah. Very good. And what are three things that you think are key to playing big for our listeners when it comes to maybe collaboration marketing or just running a business in general? What are what are three things that you've sort of learnt along the way that you think are really important for others? My first thing would be don't shy away from pitching to a brand you really want to work with. Um, out of fear of failure or fear of them saying no because the worst thing they can say is no and then you're in the same spot as where you started. Um, so the first thing is is to really just go out there and pitch and try. You never know what might happen um, and some incredible opportunities have come my way from just winging it. And, and you learn along the way as well. Like I think you only learn through doing. Absolutely. 
Um, number two would be focus on the human connections inside your business because like we were saying, you know, opportunity is attached to people. You 100% have to prioritize growing your network and growing friendships and client relationships in your business. And number three would be to try a bunch of different collaboration types before making up your mind as to what works and what doesn't. We break down collaboration marketing into things like event collaboration, so you can collaborate with a venue space or a caterer or a co-promoter, or you could do social media collaborations. That could be competitions or content with photographers or influencer cross-promotion, um, or there could be products as well where two brands come together and collaborate on a product. So different collaboration types will work for different brands, um, just the same as different brand partnerships are going to work for you differently as well because of the engagement levels of their audiences. So I would definitely say try a bunch of stuff, but don't forget to track that stuff so you can really look back and see what worked and what didn't and then figure out why. Awesome. So obviously if you're thinking about doing more business collaborations, then definitely check out collabrasaurus.com and we will have all of the links below in the show notes as well. Do you have a favorite business quote, Jess? Yes. My favorite business quote would be, great things never came from comfort zones. So yes. get out of your comfort zone. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast thanks. today. Thanks for having me. And uh, cannot wait to see what the next 12 months holds for you. Yes, exciting times. Well, I don't know about you, but it just doesn't get better than that. If you have been thinking about collaboration marketing then there was so much juicy stuff in there. Jess absolutely gave us some of her best tips and some awesome business advice as well. So make sure you head to the show notes, check out collabrasaurus.com. They're on Instagram, they're on Facebook, obviously they're everywhere. Uh, And she is just such a powerhouse and I can't wait to see what she does. So thanks so much for being here again. I am so happy that you have joined us on the Play Big Brand Bold podcast. Make sure that you leave a review if you've enjoyed the show and share this with your friends because I would love as many ears to get onto this podcast as possible because there's just so much good stuff. So make sure you follow us on Instagram at Connection Exchange, on Facebook at Suzanne Chadwick TCX and I'll see you in the next show.